As I looked at today's lesson, there were some ten different sermons that I could have preached. There's that much material. But as I prayed over it, I want to center on one thing and one thing only. Philippians 3.13, what does he mean when the Apostle Paul writes, I want to forget what is behind me. And I want to use today to strive for that which God appointed me, namely to bring people to him. What in the world does he mean when he says, I want to forget what is behind me? There are three entities which are to be found in every person's life. Their past, which is so powerful a force, in making us what we are today. The way you think today is because of your past. The way you operate today is because of things in the past. The words that come out of your mouth, the things that are done, and the way you think, it is all connected with the past. If 70% of this planet is covered with water, then I dare say that 90% of who you are as you look in the mirror today, is connected with your past. David writes, Psalm 139, God himself has us hemmed in. He was in our past. He's in our future. He was in our past. He was orchestrating, protecting, maneuvering, transforming, using that which Satan meant for our harm. And by the time God was through manipulating it, It was for our good. Our past. The second entity is our present. That which we are doing right now, right now, on this rainy Sunday morning. That which we are doing right now with our time, talents, and treasures. As brief as that moment called the present is, you have to decide in that moment what you are going to say and what you are going to do when a situation comes into your life. It wasn't just to the Philippians, but Galatia and Ephesians. The Apostle Paul is writing to those people who are already Christian. He says, use your time to continue to grow in your faith so that when you have to make a decision... You will do that which is pure and blameless, and you will not be embarrassment to yourself or to your Lord or to your church. That's what the Apostle Paul writes. You are here this morning because you want to grow in your faith. If you're in a small group, you are in that group because you want to grow in your faith. If you have a child in our school, a child is there, If they're in Sunday school, if they're in youth group, they are there in order to grow in the faith in their Lord and Savior. Why do you want to grow in the faith? So that in that instant, when you open your mouth, or that instant when you do something in regards to something that has appeared in your life, that thing that you do... If you're saturated with Christ and His Word, that thing which you do will be pleasing to Him. The more you're saturated into something, the more likely that thing will manifest itself 
in your life. The third entity in every person's life is the future. I'll not say much about it because we don't know anything about it. We don't know the future. The future is later today. You don't know later today what might occur. Jesus said, I'm going to give you a word of wisdom. Here's what you need to do with the future. Matthew 6.33, don't worry about it. Don't worry about tomorrow. I've got tomorrow in my hands. You think God can lie? Is he lying in Psalm 139, verse 16, when he says, Before you were conceived, I had every day appointed for you until the day you entered heaven. Do you think God is lying about that? The only thing that one needs to know pertaining to the future, God is in it, and I shall be fine. Paul wrote to the church at Philippi, I forget that is what is behind me. And I use today to push on forward to what is ahead of me, serving the kingdom. Why does he want to stop thinking about the past? Because there are things in the past of the Apostle Paul's life. And there are things in our past that would literally have the power to stop him in his tracks and affect him so deeply in the mental, emotional, and spiritual realm that he would be unfit for his work. His past could affect him to such an extent he would be of little good for anyone else, little good for God, and little good for himself. The past has great power for good, but it has great power for destruction. If you know someone or you yourself, if you battle with alcohol or drugs or infidelity or any other addiction, if you are afflicted with it, the past is what brings it. As you think about past things that have happened to you, past sins that you've committed, it can affect you so deeply that you had those directions in order to escape the hauntings of the past. There are others that God grabs hold of. They become the leaders of Alcoholics Anonymous. They become the teachers in grief support groups because they've lost ones very close to their hearts. I'm at the gym a couple of weeks ago before we head on vacation. A man comes up to me, 40 years of age. He says to me, did your son die? I said, oh my goodness, my son died 14 years ago. He said, my son has cancer. You've been through this. You know God. Can I come to you when I see you and when I need you? Can I come to you? And could you speak to me? For Connie and myself, we didn't escape in ways that weren't good. And now that which you go through in the present, that has so much of the past involved, might God use your past 
to make you a stronger person, a more understanding, more compassionate person, person closer to Him. Our past, great power for good, great power for destruction. There is none of us sitting here, I've said it before, there's none of us sitting here that doesn't say to God, God, bring me back to January of the year 2012. I want to do that thing over again. God, bring me back to that thing 30 years ago. God, bring me back to a week ago when I did something that I'll regret for the rest of my life. Bring me back to that moment. And God would say to you, sorry, it doesn't work that way. King David would say to God, let me stand up on top of the palace and let me look at Bathsheba taking a bath and let me make a completely different decision than I made then. God said, no, David can't do that. Moses says, God, the day I killed the Egyptian because he's beaten up a Hebrew, give me that moment over again. I don't want to spend 40 years in the wilderness. I don't want that haunting for me for the rest of my life. And God said to Moses, it doesn't work that way. Simon Peter said, give me that moment again when the 14-year-old girl came up to me and said, you're a Christian, and I cursed and swore, I'm not a Christian, I don't know who Jesus is. Give me that moment over again. God would say to Peter, it doesn't work that way. But here's how it does work. In the old revival times, the tent meetings, they called Christianity the second chance religion. That's what it is. The moment you wish you had back, God has that moment. And He's already taken care of that moment. As soon as you said, God forgive me for what I have done or said or thought, God already placed it at the foot of Jesus, poured some of Jesus' blood on it, and it is no more. I saw a man two days ago. He is getting ready to go home to heaven. And as I saw that man at Payless Hospital, I said to him, you believe in life after this life? He said, I do. He said, is there any fear? I said, is there any fear or hesitancy as you get ready for God to come He said, there is. He took me back 70 years when he was 18 years of age. And he said, that sin, Pastor, has haunted me all my days. He said, convince me that God can forgive it. I said, let me ask you a question. Do you believe in God? He said, I do. I said, do you believe that God can lie? He said, it'd be not possible for God to lie. I said, well, if I took the next five minutes and shared with you 30 verses in the Bible where it says God forgives our sins, would you believe those verses? And he smiled a little bit and he said, I believe I would. Your past, those sins... Forgiven. I said at the other two services that Pastor Shower and I have uh, quite a time trying to decide what we preach on when it comes to these studies. Because we could head any number of directions, and I sit and pray, Lord, let this sermon benefit one person online, one person here in the sanctuary. Let it benefit one person if this is the sermon you want me to give.
Last night when I got home, uh, 30 minutes after I got home, I, I had an email from one of the members. And she said, Pastor, you're covered. I'm the one person. I'm the one person who needed that message. We each have a past. Isaiah forty twenty nine. Isaiah writes, Even young men grow tired and weary when they think about past failures. Even young men grow tired and weary when they look at the accidents that have come into their life and they wonder where God was. Even young men grow tired and weary. And then Isaiah said, But when they think about God's presence, and when they think about God's forgiveness, they soar on wings like eagles. They run and not grow weary. They walk and not grow faint. You look at one aspect of your life, you're filled with joy. You look at another aspect of your past, and you're destroyed. What shall you do with your past? Where is the Apostle Paul when he writes this? He's in prison. The man with enough energy for a hundred people, he's in prison. He can't start any new churches. He can't talk to anyone in Macedonia or Achaia. He's in prison. When you've had surgery and you're shut down, when you're in school and it's in between semesters, when you've lost your job and you don't get up in the morning and have a place to go, When you have time to reflect, then the mind comes into play. And it can do wondrous things, it can do terrible things. Every morning, Connie, at breakfast, she whips out her phone and she says, Paul, look at this. This is from five years ago. This is from seven years ago. This is from last year. She's got some picture she put on Facebook, and there it pops up. It's my morning fix. I don't drink coffee. It's my morning fix. I look at those pictures, and there's always joy. There's Laney and Cece baking cookies with Grandma. There's Lucas hitting the baseball. There's Miles standing there in his football uniform. There's family reunions, and there's family get-togethers. The memories of the past, they lift us up. Apostle Paul, Philippians 1 He says just the opposite of what he says today. Philippians 1, he says, I thank God every time I go into the past and remember you. My goodness gracious. I thank God every time I go into the past and remember you. He doesn't have an iPhone. He doesn't have a picture book to see Lydia or the servant girl or the jailer. He's got his mind and his memories. Lydia, I remembered you when you were so rich But you didn't have him, so your wealth brought you nothing. And I remember you, Lydia, when you came to know Jesus, you opened up your mansion to everybody. You became Zacchaeus. You gave half of what you had to the poor, and if you cheated anyone out of anything by charging too much for the purple cloth that you sold, you paid him back fourfold. The transformation, it brings me such joy. Slave girl, you were dressed in rags and tatters. The demon had possessed you. Here comes the Holy Spirit. The demon is removed from you. And in one moment of time, you change 
from darkness into light. Jailer, you come to me at 2 a.m. in the morning with your family, and I baptize you there in the jail cells. I thank God every time I go into the past and remember you. That's on his good days. And that's on our good days. But when he writes today, he's having a bad day. And Satan is coming to him and whispering. Tell me this. Why would you wake up on a rainy Sunday to come and study a book that is 3,500 years old? What were you thinking? If you have children in our parochial school, I want to share with you that what they study over there is a book that's 3,500 years old. You think you should talk to the principal and update the material. When you get together in a small group, Sunday school, youth group, this. The hymn that you just sang is 150 years old. Next Sunday is Reformation. We're going to sing Luther's A Mighty Fortune. 500 years old. What in the world are we doing here? He does not change. He does not change. The miracles he did 3,500 years ago, Red Sea Open, miracles still happens. The deliverances still happen. The miracles still happen. Hebrews 13.8 Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. I keep a diary of God's deliverances. I have eight of them. Situations in my life that it could not escape from. Enemies inside, enemies outside. Eight of them. And all eight of them, God's deliverance came. And when situations arise in the present, I open up this book and open up my diary. And I reread the circumstances and the situations. And I reread the deliverances. That's why 3,500 years from now, unless God has come, we'll still be reading and learning from this book. Bad day for the Apostle Paul. Maybe a rainy day. Arthritis sets in. All the beatings that he had, his bones were aching. And on that day, Satan came to him and said, Ah, Apostle Paul, how many churches did you start? He gave him the number. How many letters have you written? He gave him the number. How many thousands of miles have you traveled? He gave him the number. And Satan said, do you remember Stephen? And the Apostle Paul said, yeah, I remember Stephen. And Satan said, you remember how handsome he was? Remember that his face looked like an angel's face? And Paul said, I remember And Satan said, do you remember holding the coats of the people who were stoning him to death? Do you remember that? 
And Paul said, I remember. And Satan said, do you think God could ever forgive that sin? And Paul said timidly, I believe he can. And Satan said to Paul what he said to Adam and Eve in the garden. He said, God doth surely lie. What you did to Stephen and others can never be forgiven. And then Paul wrote, I forget that which is behind me. And why can he say that? Because the one in you is stronger than the one in the world. And I've said it a hundred times if I've said it once. Satan roars loudly in your past. He roars very loud. The illnesses, the injuries, the unspeakable things that happen to people, Satan roars very loudly. And when he roars, he says, Paul, Connie, you believe that God is watching over you, believe in guardian angels, and your son gets a brain cancer? God doth surely lie. Martin Luther, when his 13-year-old daughter, Margarita, died, he went into a deep depression for six months. He sat in one room and never moved, never wrote a sermon, never taught, never wrote a devotion. He sat in that room for six months. His wife came to him one day. She was dressed in black. She had ashes on. Luther said to her, who died? She said to him, God has died. Luther said, are you out of your mind? She looked at Martin Luther, her husband, said to him, the way you have acted for the last six months, I just assume that our daughter is not in heaven. I just assume that we'll never see her again. I just assume that God has lied or he's dead. Martin Luther got up at that moment, went back into his study, and wrote, wrote one of the most wonderful devotions he ever wrote. I believe that God is real. Satan came to the Apostle Paul on that day, and he whispered things about God. And by the grace of God, the Apostle Paul stood up, and he said, if God is for me, Romans 8, if God is for me, who can be against me? He who spared not his own son, but gave him up for us all, won't he graciously and freely give us all things. Deep lesson this week, Philippians 3. What shall you do with your past? God was in it. Sins forgiven. That which Satan means to destroy by the time God's hands have it in his hands. It shall work for your ultimate good, for the good of the kingdom, and for the good of others. In his powerful name, amen. Let me have a prayer with you. Lord, may the power and promises of your word reach deep into our hearts, beyond our ears, beyond our mind, straight into the heart. For if your word and promises grab hold of our hearts, 
Then our fears and worries dissipate greatly. We have placed the burden in your lap. We have walked away. And we have said, Lord, if it be your will, and I shall trust your will, in our Savior's name, amen. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.